Well, welcome to Graceway Baptist Church and our Sunday School lesson for April the 18th. Uh, I always get amazed when we do these things. I start working on them and get them ready to be printed. And it seems like, you know, it's going to take forever to get through all of this. But then time goes by pretty fast, doesn't it? And so here we are in the middle of April and um, enjoying these lessons and going through the New City Catechism. Uh, this is one that's a question um, that's not so uh, readily or easily answered by most people. Now, present company excluded, right? You could probably do this. But um, I'm going to go ahead and make this statement and uh, ask you to pray about it and consider it. I think that whereas several of these questions have been like um, things that the average church member already knows, I think this is one that um, if they do know it, it may be a little bit difficult to articulate it. And it may be that some of them, maybe more than we you know, even would like to admit, have never really thought of it. And so uh, I think it's worthy of our consideration and worthy of our time because all of us need to be um, concerned with it. And the question, of course, is, did God create us unable to keep his law? Yeah, let that sink in. Did God create us unable to keep his law? Now, there are some that would say, uh, yes, he created us flawed and he created us with this inability to be everything that God wanted uh, us to be. And uh, when Adam sinned, that was just part of it. And uh, that's the way he was, he was made. Um, I disagree with that. And uh, so does this catechism. And I think they have it right. Uh, Adam was created in the image of God, and he was created perfectly. And let's keep in mind that the law of God, when Adam was created, was basically just one thing. And that was, don't eat from this tree. Now, you and I know the story. When Adam and Eve were uh, tempted by the serpent, the devil, uh, Eve ate and then gave to Adam, and Adam ate. And the New Testament tells us later on that the difference between the two is that Eve was deceived and Adam knew exactly what he was doing. But does that answer the question that uh, Adam was made unable to keep the law of God? And I think the answer is uh, no, that Adam was able to keep that law and the law really wasn't all that complicated in that time. But um, it gets a little bit um, oh, tangled up sometimes when we talk about it because it's a little uh, mind-boggling, isn't it? And here's the answer that you have in your uh, book. No, but because of the disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve... All of creation is fallen. We are all born in sin and guilt, corrupt in our nature, and unable to keep God's law. 
In other words, uh, we're made and created and born a little bit different than Adam was when he first took a breath or when God breathed life into him. Uh, we are the inheritors of the corruption that comes from the fall. Our DNA is corrupted. Every cell in our body is corrupted. And there are several ways to look at that. When Adam sinned, you remember he didn't have any children at that point. Now, he had been commanded to take dominion over all creation and uh, populate the earth, but that had not happened yet. We don't know what the timeline was between, say, the creation of Adam and how long it was before Eve was created and how long it was after Eve was created that uh, the tempter um, came to Eve and Adam and when they gave in. We don't know. It might have been a long time. It might not have been. There are some theologians that think that uh, there was just maybe a matter of days in the garden before the fall. And you remember they were driven out of the garden and um, forbidden to come back in and they had to live their life and they were living it basically on their own and that's when their children were born. And every one of their children, Cain and Abel and Seth and uh, all of the other ones were born with the image of God, but the image of God was flawed or marred or broken. And uh, we think about that, and that's been passed on all the way down through creation. Now, here, here's uh, how we think about it. Adam, being the first person ever created, was kind of like the uh, some theologians call it the federal head of the human race. And so because he was corrupted, he passes on that corruption to everyone else. Well, here's another way to think about it. If you uh, consider how human reproduction takes place, okay? Let's just put it this way. Uh, with my three children, every cell that would make them up, right? That was all contained in mine and Sammy's bodies. And so anything that I pass on to them, you know, like some of this stuff I'm having to deal with with my heart or diabetes or any of those things, is uh, probably going to be passed on to them. Well, think about this. When Adam sinned, as the first person on the earth, every cell that would make up his children and their children and their children and their, all the way down to us was inside of Adam. And when Adam was corrupted and when Eve was corrupted, that means every cell that would eventually make us up and every other human was already corrupted and flawed by sin. And so because of that, here we are born in, in imperfect and born in sin and in, um, well, the capacity to do all kinds of things is inside of us. You know, total depravity doesn't mean that we're all as bad as we could be. Uh, certainly mm -hmm. that's not true. There are times when we see some uh, things 
that look like the worst of humanity. And then there's always somebody that comes along maybe later than that that's a whole lot worse. And we see that. You know, we look at a person like Hitler. How could anybody be such a monster like Hitler? Then you see somebody like maybe uh, uh, Bin Laden or something like that. And, well, maybe that's even worse. And uh, it goes on and on like that. What we don't understand is that inside of me is the capacity to be a Hitler. The capacity to be a bin Laden or whatever you want to uh, put in there. And uh, just because I don't act on it doesn't mean that uh, the same problem is not there hidden in the heart. It's concealed. There are those times when those flashes of anger come and we don't act on them and we don't allow them to last very long, but it's still there. And if it lasted longer and if it was acted upon, you and I would be the worst persons uh, upon the earth. This is the corruption <coughs> of the fallen nature that we have as humans, excuse me. And so uh, we're going to talk about that by looking at uh, some scripture. And it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that's Adam, we know that, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. And remember that the nature we talked about last week that we have to sin is what draws us into that. It's what makes sin appealing. Now, it is interesting that for humanity, because we do have the image of God, for those of us who are saved, we have the new nature with the spirit of God living within us and him giving us a new spirit. Uh, we certainly ought to be um, appalled by our sin. And we have this problem because at first sin has an appeal, but then after we commit it, then there comes that point where we're appalled by it. And even lost people can do that. There's enough of the image of God in them that they look and say, what have I done? Uh, there are lots of people that are in prison today serving a life sentence and uh, 10, 15, 20 years after they committed their crime, they're remorseful. A lot of them are. Some of them are not, but a lot of them are. And they say, I can't believe what I did when I was young. That was so stupid. That was so foolish. And uh, now they're appalled by what they have done. Now, just because that happens doesn't address the whole thing. What is it that we're going to do? And how are we going to get right with the holy God? And how is that sin going to be paid for? And of course, that's through what the Bible calls the second Adam or the Lord Jesus Christ. He was able to give us, instead of a sin nature, Jesus is able to give us, when we repent of our sin and trust him, a new nature. Genesis chapter 1 verse 31 tells us that Adam was created without sin. And it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. 
So Adam had perfect fellowship with God. There was nothing there that, that marred it. Adam never had to confess sin. There were never any mistakes made, nothing like that. Perfect fellowship and relationship with God. No sinful flaws, no corrupted DNA, nothing like that. In fact, everything Adam did was pleasing to God, so much so that when God looked upon the creation after Adam, he said it is good in every other case, but then he says it is very good. Now keep that in mind. Number two, Adam's sin was caused by the fall. In 1 Corinthians 15, 22, it says, For in Adam, as in Adam, all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. See the difference? Adam, because he ate of the fruit and he knew what he was doing when he ate the fruit, what happened? All of us die because of what Adam did. The soul that sins, it shall die. The wages of sin is death. You could think of numerous verses that uh, show that. That's how death entered into the world. And because Adam sinned, then the sin nature is passed on to all humanity. You can see uh, Genesis chapter 5, verse 1, versus Genesis chapter 5, verse 3. Three. Um, Adam created in the image of God, and uh, later on it says about his children that they were in the likeness of Adam. Now, that doesn't mean that the image of God was taken away. It just means it was marred. Even in the New Testament, it talks about how we treat other people, and uh, uh, it calls them made in the image of God. So that's still there but it's been shattered, it's been messed up. It doesn't look like it used to look, but occasionally we do see glimpses of that, even in lost humanity and certainly in ourselves. Now this is why Jesus was born of the seed of woman. You remember that? Right after Adam and Eve fell, when God is putting the curse on humanity and on the serpent, he makes a statement to the serpent that um, I'm going to put enmity between your seed and her seed. Well, that's a strange thing because especially in King James English and in all of the thinking, women do not have seed. That's always attributed to the male. So what was the Lord saying there? If he talks about someone being of the seed of woman, it's a reference to the virgin birth. Uh, it's not fully disclosed there. It's not made clear there. You have to read on into the Bible to uh, find out exactly what it's talking about, but it certainly fits because the sin nature is passed on through the man, through Adam and Adam's descendants. And so Christ, because he was born of a virgin, he could be fully human. He gets that from Eve. And at the same time, he had no sin nature because his father, of course, was God the Father. And uh, that's why he had to be virgin born. So he's fully human, without a sin nature, and uh, um, without any of that, then he was qualified to die on the cross and uh, be our unblemished lamb. So the only cure for death is, of course, Christ's life. 
Number three, the fall affected everything and everyone. Uh, the entire earth is under the, the curse. Have you ever thought about that? Romans chapter 8, verse 22 and 23 says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So while we live here on this earth and while we live in this life, we have all of the aches and the pains and the problems and the trials and the temptations, all of those things that come along with being human. But it's not just us. Um, my favorite dog died. As far as I know, that dog did not have a sin nature. As far as I know, that dog didn't do anything that would be offensive to God. Not like I've done, and not like you've done. And yet he died. Bugs die, trees die. Did you lose any trees or any plants because of the uh, extreme cold that we had this past winter? I did. And I wonder how many animals froze to death when it got so cold. This is a part of life on a fallen earth, on an earth that groans, uh, you know, under the curse of sin. And this is why when the Lord Jesus comes back to rule and reign in his earthly kingdom, the Bible tells us some wonderful, wonderful things about during that time, children playing with snakes. Now, at this point, I wouldn't recommend that. At this point, if there's a snake in my yard and one of my grandchildren wants to go out and play with it, that, not going to do that. But there's coming a day when a snake is not going to be dangerous or poisonous or a threat even to a child. The Bible talks about the lion. What does it do? Lays down with the lamb. You don't really want to do that right now. When you have a zoo, you don't have lions and lambs in the same cage. Uh, in nature, uh, lambs tend to want to run and hide from the lions, and the lions want to eat the lambs, right? And uh, one of these days, when Jesus is ruling and reigning, the curse that is on earth and on the environment is going to be reversed. <coughs> Pardon me. Now, back in the, <clears throat> in the Garden of Eden, can you imagine an environment that was perfect? It was never too hot. It was never too cold. It was never too windy, like it's been around here lately. Uh, everything worked perfectly. The environment worked with Adam as he would work in the garden. Work. Uh, I heard somebody say one time that work is a part of the curse uh, because of Eve. <laughs> Not really. Adam had work to do in the garden, but it was enjoyable, satisfying work, and everything in his environment worked with him. Well, after the fall, everything turned the other way. Now it's by the sweat of your brow that you get your bread. 
weeds and thorns and things like that. Isn't it amazing even today how they will grow when nothing else will grow and they will grow where nothing else will grow? Just incredible how much time and effort we spend trying to get our lawns and our flower beds weed free. Uh, that's part of the curse, folks. Now, in the millennial reign of Christ, that curse is going to be reversed. And life is going to be a joy again. And uh, all of these things, the lion with the lamb and the child with the snake, all of those things are going to be changed so that there's no longer a threat or a problem. The environment will not be working against us. And yet, when you read in there, you'll find that uh, mankind, those that are born during that day, that still have a sin nature, are going to rebel against God even in a perfect environment. Amazing how that works, isn't it? So anyway, looking at uh, all of this, we suffer and sickness. Even Christians get sick, don't they? We have sorrow. We have betrayal. We have hurt and we have death. And when someone says, well, why do good, uh, bad things happen to good people? All you have to do is look at Jesus. He was perfectly good and look at everything that happened to him. And so all of this is going to take place until we are glorified. And the only way we get glorified is by going out of here, either at the return of the Lord or uh, through death. And nobody gets a glorified body. Sometimes I hear people say um, at funerals and other things like that, well, at least dad has his glorified body now. And they're saying that in front of a casket. Well, if you read your Bible, you'll find out, no, God is going to glorify that body that you're burying. God's not finished with everything that he promised your mom or dad or brother or sister or son or daughter. He redeems all of us, body, soul, and spirit. But uh, while right now those in heaven have their spirit and soul there with them, one of these days, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he's going to bring their body up. And as Paul told the Corinthians, he is going to take that same body and do what he did with Jesus, resurrect it. And this mortal will put on immortality and uh, that corruptible body will become incorruptible. And uh, that's going to be an amazing thing. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing that. Number four, we finish up here. Because of our sin, we need a Savior. Romans chapter 5, verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Our fallen nature corrupts everything and everything it touches. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities 
like the wind, take us away. Now, if you think about that thing of the polluted garment or the probably more familiar to think of the filthy rag, if you were trying to clean off like one of these white tables at the church and uh, it's a fellowship and some people sat down, let's say there's some guests, like when we fed the police or something like that, and you come down and say, let me wipe that table off real quick, and you've got a, a rag that is just caked with dirt and mud and all kinds of other things and start wiping it on the table, what's going to happen to that table? Well, that table's going to become dirty because of the filthiness of the rag. And so when the Bible says that even our righteousness is like that filthy rag, it means even when we are at our best, we are contaminating other things. We don't make things better. We actually make those things worse. And so we have a need for righteousness, and the righteousness can't be filthy rag righteousness. It has to be pure and the only way we get pure righteousness is to get God's righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Well, stop and think. Who's the only one who knew no sin? That would be Jesus. What am I saying? That God, the he in here, made him, Christ, to be sin? That's exactly what I'm saying, because that's what Paul is saying. And why did God the Father put sin on him? Remember Isaiah said, we've all turned everyone to our own way, but God has laid the iniquity of us all upon him. Well, why did God the Father do that? Well, let's go back and read this verse again. For our sake, for our sake, he made him, Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness, look at this, of God. We might become the righteousness of God. All of a sudden, everything changes. Instead of filthy rag righteousness that contaminates things, that may make us feel better, that may get us praise from other people, but the truth of the matter is it's contaminating other, everything it touches. We have pure righteousness, and that pure righteousness doesn't come because we tried harder or because we did better or anything like that. It comes because Jesus, the unblemished lamb, died on the cross, and while he was on the cross, God the Father took your sin and mine, put it upon Jesus who knew no sin, the unblemished lamb. And the reason he did that is so that through the resurrection and the ascension and the calling out of God's bride, God's elect, you and me who trust him, that our sin might be taken away and we might become righteous, not just partially righteous, not just a little bit righteous, not just better than what we were before, but we have become the righteousness of God. That ought to make somebody shout. To think that God would give that to us is amazing. I heard a guy give an invitation one time, <coughs> and he was speaking to some lost men who were in the church. 
they were in the back of the church and he uh, was giving a, a, an invitation to be saved. But listen to what he said. This is almost verbatim. He said, some of you men back there in the back, he said, you're good men, but you'd be a little bit better if you'd give your heart to Jesus. Boy, what a terrible thing to say. What an unbiblical thing to say. I, it was the kind of thing where you go, surely no preacher of the word of God would say something like that. Except a lot of people kind of have the idea that Jesus is just a self-improvement kit, kind of a, you know, a DIY to be a better person. Walk the aisle, pray a prayer, fill out a card, get dunked in water, and, you know, that helps you out. You're same person, you're a little bit better. There was a singer one time that um, made a statement to the audience of Christian people, said, some of you've heard a few years ago that I got saved. Nothing much changed. I just added a few things. I doubt he was ever saved. The Bible says that when we are saved, we become a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away and all things become new. And you and I are new creatures in Christ. And part of what that means is everything about us changes top to bottom, head to toe, inside and out. We are new creatures in Christ. And a big part of that is I've got the righteousness of Christ on my record book and I've got it residing in me through the Holy Spirit, through the new nature that I've been given. And so do you. And so what Adam lost in the fall, Christ has restored. And one day when these bodies are no longer corruptible, when we're no longer living in a corrupt world, when we are made like Jesus and living in that perfect environment, when we are glorified, glorified, we're going to see the full extent of what Christ has done for us. So did God make us unable to keep the law? No, but sin has so corrupted us that we can't do it. And that's on us for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the way we get the eternal life is because Jesus paid for our sins on the cross and because he took our sin, we gain his righteousness. So I probably didn't do a really good job of presenting all of that, but nonetheless, it's true. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will make it real in your life and in your heart. And I hope you'll do a better job as you uh, teach your class. And may the Lord bless us and save people who have never been born again and encourage those who have about who we are in Christ. May the Lord bless you. And thank you for taking the time to uh, watch or listen whatever the case may be. God bless.